Abbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Well, Jeff, I know we've got to talk about the football, but before that, your trivia question. Okay, this is nearly about football, and football is involved a little bit. Last weekend, Grimsby lost seven-game unbeaten run playing against Bradford when their player Stefan Payne was sent off for headbutting Philippe Moraes. Why is this so notable? Excellent. Right, well, Jeff, the first game that we'll have a look at is the first game from the last week and it is Fulham nil Wolves 1 chance for Fulham and again they blew it yeah that's that's the story of uh, I think that will be the story of the relegation teams Fulham have had the chances to to catch up the three-point deficit to Newcastle and they've blown it every time and they did against Wolves it looks a narrow win 1-0 but only one team on the pitch was going to win that and it was always going to be Wolves yeah watching the online commentary of that one and I thought maybe Fulham will get a point here and then Wolves pop up in the last minute or so but clearly a little revival for Fulham and we've sort of been rooting for them haven't we because they play lovely football sometimes but they, they're a little bit too late isn't it now after that loss probably that that's them done for it's actually too late little and too late for all the possession they have and the nice build-up play they don't produce enough they don't produce enough chances and they don't take the chances they do produce and in that situation you're gonna go down it's it's the golden rule from bill shankley you absolutely must score when you're on top that's that's the game of football for you unfortunately for fulham but they're giving it or have given it a bit of a go on saturday runaway leaders manchester city were at home to mid-table leeds we all thought it would be 2 or 3 nil. We were just arguing amongst ourselves which one it would be, 2, 3 or 4 nil. The most amazing result of the weekend and possibly the game of the season, although it actually meant nothing in the scheme of things. Manchester City 1, Leeds 2. Makes no difference to the title challenge, makes no difference to relegation or top four, but what an incredible result. The two games of the season so far have, have been that one, Leeds versus City and City versus Leeds, the first one. The, the first match was an absolutely fantastic game which got the the coverage got swallowed up because it was the weekend that Villa put seven past Liverpool and Spurs beat Manchester United 6-1 but that first match was an absolutely fantastic match this was an absolutely fantastic match and I loved Bielsa's comment that yes his team deserved to win and yes Manchester City deserved to win you know both things are actually true Leeds had two shots and scored two goals not two shots on target and scored two goals they had two shots after taking their centre forward off in response to the, the sending off of Cooper so they deserved what they got. City had countless chances and didn't put them away. So well well done, Leeds. I mean, what's incredible for me is they were one all and they had a player sent off in the 45th minute. They got the whole of the second half and then instead of sitting back like most teams would have been and just soaked up the pressure and just put a load of defenders on and just tried to see the half out, they still went for it and they still attacked and they got the win. And it is something about Bielsa's philosophy as a manager I mean it is insane the way he gets the players to run around the pitch his reaction to the sending off was quite interesting because usually a coach will keep a centre forward on as the outlet ball to relieve pressure and Bielsa being Bielsa decides no I'll take the centre forward off and my outlet balls will be the two wide players 
players and that's what he did it was quite quite a conscious tactical change it worked extremely well because you've now got two players to receive the outlet ball your chances of actually doing it are that much greater no they thoroughly deserved it and they've been a breath of fresh air to the to the premier league a completely different way of playing than any other team this sort of semi-organized chaos you know it's like you go there and, and a football match breaks out you know it's, it's that sort of thing but it's fantastic to watch and they've been fantastically it's really really good yeah it's quite incredible because i mean they were 1-0 up until the 76 minute with 10 men and then they've got 15 minutes to you know to soak up the pressure after one all and they go ahead and score in the 90th minute and beat man city at man city which i think result of the season and um and leeds fans just hope that he's going to sign another contract because he only goes for one year at a time doesn't he quite a character the other game which also was 2-1 and involved a very late goal which I think most of us were disappointed in was Liverpool 2 Aston Villa 1 Watkins scoring for Villa and then putting Villa 1-0 up until the what was it 57th minute and Salah scored and then one minute into stoppage time Alexander Arnold pops up and just grabs I think Liverpool a victory yeah I'm tempted to feel quite sorry for Aston Villa until I realised that they shouldn't have been in the Premier League this season anyway it was only that that goal that Bournemouth scored that was wiped off for no reason anybody can think of that they're that they're there so they're, they're mid-table they'll survive if they have any money they can strengthen the squad but they, they've had a good season for Liverpool it, the performance didn't answer any of the questions about their performances so far will they kick on and can they make it into the top four that's the question I, I don't think the match against Villa answered it all right that's interesting the next game uh, was a later game on Saturday and I just finished the radio show that we do for 93.6 Global Radio radio a radio station here on the Costa del Sol presenting a football show for them sat down afterwards and I thought oh I'll watch Crystal Palace against Chelsea that'll be interesting after 10 minutes Chelsea were 2-0 up and after 30 they were 3-0 up and I thought I'm wasting my time here it's quite obvious what's going to happen uh, 4-1 to Chelsea yeah I, th- I think the only only surprise was that it, they conceded the goal to be quite honest it was the match should have been 3-0 as I predicted but football footballers are stupid footballers are stupid and they don't read the memo but they, they got the 3 goal difference they wanted it's just a surprise they conceded a goal to be honest yeah Benteke um, and I just want to have a quick chat about Crystal Palace very briefly there is talk that Sean Dyche could be their next manager because obviously Hodgson hasn't as yet renewed his contract and he is 74 but I was talking to Kirk Blows who is one of our fellow presenters on that sports show during that Palace match and we were saying Palace year in year out all they do is go for survival I've never seen to my memory Palace put a cup run together they've never really been involved in much of a relegation battle on the fringes of it certainly never get, not getting into the European places they're just sort of there if you want to compete seriously compete in for the top four every year you need a very very expensive squad and that's that's financially not not achievable for Crystal Palace or let's say if, if, if you say Crystal Palace and Leicester are clubs of comparable size and certainly with, within their communities then it's going to take a number of years to get there. Will Roy Hodgson take them forward? Probably not. He's a good enough manager to keep them where they are, and he's you know he's an underrated manager, but he's not the sort of guy you bet the future on. Sean Dyche might be, so you know, let's see. Yeah, one to watch out for. On Sunday, a plethora of football, and Tottenham played as well. Um, we'll come to that, but first of all, Newcastle. Uh, he might have turned them around, Steve Bruce. They uh, drew with Tottenham last week at home, and then beat Burnley away. And they're safe, aren't they, almost? Almost there. 
I think Newcastle are safe. Yeah, and I think the only I think the only thing that that might throw a spanner in the works is West Brom if they continue this run that they're on. But last two games, Newcastle have played really well. You wonder where that team was for the rest of the season. Yeah, very odd. I mean, when they drew with Tottenham last week, I thought to myself, well, that's the best I've seen Newcastle play all season. Typical that it would be against my team. But they they went on and then won the next game. So it wasn't just a blip. Uh, West Ham is the next game. West Ham 3, Leicester 2. Leicester, of course, uh, third in the league pretty much all season. And West Ham knocking on the European spot door. But what a result. When that third goal went in, I said, oh, no, we're on to that. That, that dangerous 3-0 lead, you know, it's and we, we have thrown it away once and thrown the 3-0 away, lead away twice, in fact. Yeah, I, I think West Ham thoroughly deserve the win. Leicester's performance in the second half, you know, they got the two goals. OK, fair enough. And West Ham were holding on with their fingernails at the end, but only because they started to sit deep and invite the pressure on. If they'd carried on playing the way they did to get them 4-0 up before that fourth goal was ruled out, correctly, by the way, for draft side, West Ham were playing extremely well, looked very, very good. But there's this mental thing thing that attacks them okay we'll defend this 3-0 lead no don't defend it keep doing what got you the 3-0 lead yeah if they haven't been able to do anything while you're banging in one two and three goals then you might as well continue doing that because obviously not giving them the space to come on to you Uh, but it is the third time you've gone 3-0 up and then I mean you drew 3-3 with Arsenal you've had 2-3-2 so there's something that you are sitting back and allowing them the other team to snatch two goals Leicester were without three main players due to some Covid breach or something but I think yeah they didn't look that great they didn't look that much of a threat until that last 20 minutes when they started scoring and playing against you but you were sitting back a bit yeah talking about that um the covid breach by those three players including madison and perez rogers has, has got a lot of credit for supposedly or apparently having these, these principles and punishing the players well no he did not punish the players. The players got a day off. They, Madison was playing golf while the match was on. The people he punished were the other players that he put out on the pitch. He punished his own team. He didn't punish those players. If you want to punish those players, fine them. You know, Give them the biggest fine you can possibly do. Then it hits them in the pocket. Okay, maybe only hits them in the pocket for one week, but it does. Why penalise your own team? He punished his own team. So no, I don't think that was great principle being shown by Rodgers. I think it was just stupid. Yeah, well, we had... The- same thing the other week with um, when Abba Mayang was left out of the Arsenal squad as a punishment. Well, the only person being punished was the team because they missed out on their best player. Uh, they did go on to win that match, unfortunately. Yeah, but at least Obama Yang sat in the stands and watched the match. He didn't go and play golf. Yeah, that's true. It's hardly a punishment. You've got the day off. It's like, I mean, I remember getting suspended from school for three days for bunking off school. And I remember saying to the headmaster, are you sure that's the punishment you're thinking of? Very strange. I'm putting it off and putting it off, but we have to get to it. Tottenham 1, Manchester United 3. I don't even know where to start with that one. There's so, so much going on in and around that game. But let's start with how the game started. And I thought it was quite an even first half and Tottenham went into a 1-0 lead. Man United having had previous to that a goal disallowed for a foul on Son. Yeah, and, and it was a foul. The fact that the, the, the referee didn't see it because there was a Manchester United player between him and Son when it happened, so he couldn't see it. VAR picked it up quite rightly. It's, a foul is now a question of fact. There's no intent part of the law. It is a foul or it is not a foul. That was a foul. His hand caught Son in the side of the head face one of the two and he went down yeah he went down like he'd been shot 
but you know it's a question of fact that he was hit in the face by the um, McTominay so it's a free kick and a foul McTominay should have been booked because he's used his hand up at the face and that's a, a standard booking and he wasn't which is a puzzle to me having given the free kick you must book him surely so the, the goal was rightfully disallowed there's no problem with that and the first half was quite even I would have thought maybe Manchester United shaded it a bit with a bit more attacking intent but they didn't uh, other than that goal they didn't create anything but the second half was a completely different match yeah before we uh, move on to what happened in the second half first of all uh, Son is not the sort of player to play act that much I don't know if McTominay caught him in the eye with his finger that's why he went down in such apparent pain Solskjaer had a, a bit of a whinge about it afterwards and started a bit of a war of words with him and Jose Mourinho Solskjaer said that uh, the game has gone if a player has to roll around like that and be helped up by his teammate and he said if that was my child he would get no dinner that evening as a punishment Mourinho picked up on that very quickly and said that that's a terrible thing to say you know you should always feed your children no matter how bad they've been and I can only say that I'm glad that Son's father was a better person than Ole is so a nice bit of war of words for them but I kind of side with Jose on that it's a stupid thing for uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to say Mourinho must have grinned ear ear to ear when Solskjaer said it so this is what we can turn the story into so instead of focusing on how bad his tactics were and how bad Tottenham were in the second half we can now have a few days of the back pages talking about how Solskjaer brings brings his kids up F- from Solskjaer's point of view it was a very stupid thing to say because it took the fo- you know it took the focus off how well his team played in the second half for a start and that was worth noting and how badly Tottenham played also worth noting now nobody's talking about it like, except us in a minute well let, yeah let's us talk about it first of all uh, McTominay was already on a yellow by the way so he should have been sent off for that foul on Son he wasn't uh, and then you wanted to mention about Paul Pogba who also should have been sent off yeah absolutely he, he did a quite deliberate elbow into the face of an opponent and that's been a red card for as long as I can remember it's absolutely guaranteed stonewall red card and he wasn't even given as a foul it's most extraordinary thing the only thing you can take away from that is that there are different rules which apply to Manchester United players because it's he should have been sent off yeah whether that would have made a difference to the result or not I don't know Tottenham were up as a Tottenham fan we were okay in the first half I think it was a fairly even contest it was a bit cagey perhaps the thing that worries me is that there seems to be a lack of energy um, and belief in the Tottenham side and it does seem to either appear or disappear in one half or the other we don't seem to be very consistent and in the second half we allowed Manchester United much more than they should have had and I think we look very very poor yeah you mentioned the word consistency Spurs have forfeited 18 points from winning positions in the Premier League this season so that's quite consistent and they've now endured 10 league defeats for the first time in Mourinho's career there is actually consistency there's not on the positive side the the pattern that Spurs seem to show this season of going into a lead then sitting back and inviting the pressure um, it's cost them against West Ham Lask Crystal Palace Liverpool Wolves Fulham the Wanderers Dinamo Zagreb and Newcastle and Manchester United it's a pattern it's because that is how Mourinho sets his team up the low block sit back invite pressure and hope you can survive it that his famous success from that came with firstly with Porto and then with uh, Inter when they won that trouble you know we are going to defend you can't score and we'll go up and we'll snatch a goal somehow which does appear to be how Tottenham play you know look man for man throughout the Tottenham team and say who would get into another top four side well you got Kane and Son really 
it seems to be we'll defend we'll get the ball into more Kane song and hope that they can create something and w- which usually they do I think in, in almost every match they do but they don't follow it up it's, it, it actually is not a team I'll say that they don't play like a team yeah as a Tottenham fan there's a, a, a few things about what you've said that I agree with first of all Spurs fans and possibly the players as well and Mourinho the whole culture around the club is that we believe we're at least a top six team and probably a top four team of all those players as you say I don't can't see any that would get into one of those top four teams I have to be honest I don't think the players are good enough I have to agree with Simon Jordan who said last week that you know Tottenham basically are not good enough and they have been bad for the last few years under Mourinho under Pochettino they've not been good enough some of the players we signed with the bail money would never have got into a top six team so overall I I think I agree that Mourinho or not we're not good enough and as you say under Porto Milan yeah sit back you can't score against us but not with that defence that we've got Aurier Sanchez Dyer, even Alderweireld, possibly. It, who who of those would you have at West Ham, for example? The only defensive player. Well, I, actually, I'd take two defensive players from Tottenham. Um, one would be Regulon, who I think is a very, very good left back, and he'll probably be back at Real Madrid next season because you've only got him on loan, and he's shown he has shown Real Madrid that he is, you know, a top quality left back and one of the best in his position in the Premier League, no question. I'd also take Joe Roden because I think Roden. You look at him and you see a real footballer there you see someone in 10 years time everyone's going to be calling him everyone will will just by default oh yeah world-class player yeah we know that he isn't there yet he's young and promising but you can see that he is the real deal so it's those two and you've got Kane who will almost certainly go somewhere if someone can come up with the money and that's a separate issue and the answer is probably no one can uh son yeah maybe I think in a, another top four side, he's going to be a sort of bench player. Like, you know, think of think of Manchester City and how long Foden sat on the bench waiting and is not a lot in that Spurs side that other other top four sides, like the Hammers, um, would be yeah. looking for. I bet you thought you'd never say that. <laughs> um, yeah, even, I mean, credit where credit's due, West Ham are where they are because they've won games and not thrown away, well, just about not thrown away leads. Uh, and Tottenham have done that with alarming regularity this season. Regulon, who, yeah, he's on loan, so I can't even count him as part of the squad. He's very much a Tottenham-style player, though. He's a, very much a Kyle Walker, a Danny Rose. He's attacking and bobbing down the wing as much as he is blocking shots. And I think that's the sort of thing that Tottenham fans appreciate. Yeah, the thing about that, though, is is you very often get fullbacks who are like, like TA squared, who is brilliant going forwards, quite questionable as a defender. Regulon is brilliant going forwards and a brilliant defender and a brilliant tackler. He does all the things that a fullback nowadays has to do. I think he's a superb player. A uh, couple of other takeaways from that game, I suppose. He brought Bale on with eight minutes to go. Bale seems to have fallen out of favour again. What was the point of that? He hardly, t- I mean, he hardly touched the ball. I mean, what are you going to do in that time when you're already 3-1 down? At Man United, I think, I said Newcastle were the best I'd seen them when they drew with Tottenham. I think Man United played a blinder as well. And we on another day, we'd have probably got a draw. I think that second half performance by Manchester United was the best they've played under under Oli. It does seem to be our luck at Tottenham. Uh, we've got Everton this coming Friday. And Angelotti left out three players, including Calvert-Lewin, for their game yesterday. So they could be fully recovered from injuries, ready for Tottenham. Again, unlucky. Well, it, w- it wasn't bad luck that, that Spurs happened to face Man United on the day where they played the best for half the game. They played the best they have played under, under Solskjaer. 
you invited it on. Spurs invited that on with a low block. I mean, it's crap. It's, n- it's not just Spurs who do it. When West Ham went 3-0 up, they started to do the same thing at all. And to be fair to Moyes, you could see him on the touchline. Every time they showed him, he's trying to force the defence up the pitch. But of course, players feel more comfortable. OK, we'll give them another couple of yards, keep the game in front of us and we can we can react. Well, when you've got high quality attacking players, as Manchester United have got, particularly with Cavani, who is just still still a world-class player, you're inviting you're inviting your defeat. You're inviting them to score goals and those players will score goals. Yeah, especially when you've got a dodgy defence as Tottenham have. Spurs fans can't agree amongst themselves what is his best back four and nor can Mourinho. That's why he keeps changing it, I think. Yeah, but you put put that um, that back four and uh, Dyer, who's who turns at the rate of tectonic plates up against Cavani. I mean, you know, you're, you're just inviting your own defeat. Yeah, so a lot of problems there for Mourinho at Tottenham. I think he'll stay next season. There's a lot of talk about will he stay or will he go. As a Tottenham fan, I don't think he's the manager we really wanted or needed. But I think I'd rather get offload a load of those players, first of all. I think most of them are not good enough for where Tottenham think they should be. No, I think that, that's very true. But <laughs> this is not the season or the end of the season to be doing it. Nobody has got any money. And if you think, oh, Manchester United are rich, no, they're not. Last week, they drew down the last tranche of their £200 million credit line, which was an emergency loan to t- to cover operational expenses. So they're not borrowing money to invest in the future. They're borrowing 200 million at very high rates of interest just to cover the just to cover the cash flow loss. Um, we've seen Tottenham with 125 million. You can say okay, they've got a billion dollar stadium to to fund. Okay, fair enough. Arsenal 110 million from the Bank of England. Now both of those loans they're only short term. They've got to be refinanced somehow. So they've got to go to to the city or or to existing shareholders and say, "Can you stump up some more money?" for us please the rest of the Premier League with the exception of Chelsea and Manchester City I would say are insolvent no Liverpool probably are okay because Fenway Sports got an injection of 750 million dollars last week from new investors so some of that money is going to find its way down to Newcastle and some of it to the Boston Red Sox Uh, you know hey ho so they'll have enough money but not enough money to start buying big no one's got enough money to pay 100 million players so it's not actually a great great year for for rebuilding the, the problem of course is the model of, of football where, where it's transfer fees if it was like the US where you trade players you need clever people to sort it all out but it's doable but no team and that includes Real Madrid and Barcelona have got any money and not to mention um, 90% of those the Tottenham squad wouldn't wouldn't be of any interest to any team who had money in normal times uh, but we do need to do something there the Tottenham basically just not good enough Mourinho or not Mourinho makes no difference the other game on Sunday was the Woolwich Wanderers doing what everybody else did and beat Sheffield United. There's not much I can say about that, I don't think, and not much I want to talk about uh, with the Wanderers. But yesterday, as we're recording this, West Brom won again. There's another sentence we didn't think we'd hear or say. Uh, They beat comprehensively Southampton 3-0. And looked good doing it and thoroughly deserved it. And actually, it should have been 4-0. They had a, they had a goal wiped out by VAR. Or, what rather, let, let's be completely honest about this. The linesman flagged for offside wrongly. The West Brom player was onside. And the excuse that they came up with this time, quite a brilliant one, is there wasn't an angle for VAR to show that the linesman was wrong. Oh, what a load of crap. You can see it very clearly on every single angle they showed that the West Brom player was onside. And, you know, this is bringing, you know, it's bringing the 
game into disrepute. And I have to agree with Allardyce when he says, look, at the end of the season, you've got to get the PFA, you've got to get the Managers Association, and they've got to sit down with the bodies and say, look, this is where it's going wrong. This is what you need to do. Because, you know, these guys know. We know. We can see it. They can see it from there. They've got all that experience of actually running football clubs and running football teams. And why are they not being spoken to? Why are they, Why is nobody listening to them about this? You know, it's not just us as the, the punters who pay our subscriptions for TV. These are the professionals within the game saying, look, you're, you're bringing the game into disrepute. It's a shame that I've just spoke, spoken for so long about VAR when West Brom deserve an o- enormous amount of credit. They played really, really well and thoroughly deserved it. Southampton, on the other hand, looked as if they were on the beach. They didn't give a toss. Yeah, it's, it's one of those teams that have got actually nothing to lose or gain right now, even with eight games to go. Uh, last week, West Brom beat Chelsea 5-2, and that five goals was something like uh, they'd scored a third of all their goals this season against Chelsea. Bizarre. And you said on the podcast, bit wasteful, because they'd have liked to have spread those goals across a couple of games. Then they put three past Southampton and keep a clean sheet. Sam Johnson, who's in the England squad, saved a penalty. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it shouldn't have been a penalty, but justice was done when he saved it. And it was a good save, too. It wasn't one of those where he dives and the ball hits him in the midriff. It was arms stretched out. It was a good save. Um, Player should have hit a better penalty, but it's always the case when they don't score. So... Yeah, he thoroughly deserved it, and West Brom scored four perfectly good goals. You know, they they found they found some form, and they could chase down Newcastle. It's going to be tough, but they could do it. Yeah, unfortunately for West Brom, Newcastle just got four points out of the last six, and West Brom got six out of six. I mean, that's an incredible turnaround. It may has it taken Allardyce a l- bit longer than people expected to get that team clicking, or were they just two fortunate results? I don't know because we don't watch, we don't watch training. You you may not like how you you believe Allardyce sets his teams up to play football, but the West Brom I'm looking at are an attacking team, very creative, and seem to be playing as if it's fun. So maybe every thing we know about Allardyce is wrong. I would say though that if you look at the players who've come in in the last three matches they're different from the previous ones and they're creative so I think it's Pereira he's a good player. He's not going to be at West Brom next season even if they stay up he'll be in a much much better team than them but they're, they're playing as if they're enjoying it they're creative, they're creating chances, they're putting them away they're everything you want a football team to be. Maybe West Brom will be our tip to come up next season from the championship if Allardyce stays maybe he will if obviously something's working there, because uh, they weren't just victories, they were emphatic victories. And uh, beating Southampton's no no mean feat. That's not bad at all. 3-0 should have been 4. So uh, that's brilliant. The other game yesterday was a little bit different. Brighton nil, Everton nil. Yeah, both lucky to get nil. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible game. What Everton thought they were doing is entirely beyond me. I, it was just, it was just completely witless. It was unintelligent rubbish we were watching. And it sums up Brighton season. How difficult it is for them to score. They got into some good positions. I think Bissouma in midfield looked looked really, really good. He had a great game. Created things, but the forward. Mope and Trossard. Mope and Trossard couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. I mean, they, they were bloody terrible. Welbeck worked incredibly hard, but in areas of the pitch, you don't really want him in. You want him running onto balls into the penalty area, and Brighton didn't, didn't supply any. But Brighton just done enough now with that point probably to stay up. Now with Everton, uh, 
getting that point away and playing Tottenham on Friday, out of, and I suppose, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham and Everton, they are the main contenders for 4, 5 and 6 for the European spots. Who's going to miss out? For me, it's going to be Everton. Oh, I think definitely Everton Everton miss out, yeah. I think given that West, West Ham are, are one point behind Leicester, both played 31, Leicester have to be in that conversation as well. Um, so it's actually, I think it's actually Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, Leicester. Because of who they are and the quality of their squad, you'd have to say Liverpool will make it into the top four. I think Chelsea will make it into the top four. So West Ham and Leicester won't. Can't see Spurs making it. They're, they're just well. I mean, let's let's be brutally frank here. They're not good enough. So that's kind of Leicester fifth, West Ham sixth, Tottenham seventh, possibly, uh, which is not great, <laughs> not great, but uh, could be a lot worse. Um, let's have a look at what's coming up uh, this weekend. Well, Friday it is Tottenham, Everton host Tottenham, and as I said, Calvert Lewin will be back for that game. Unfortunately for Tottenham, they've got to pull themselves together. Son did an interview after after the game against Manchester United. Normally known to be a happy chap, loving his football. I don't think I've seen him look so sad. He almost had tears in his eyes. And the interviewer said, you know, what about that game? And he just kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologise to the fans. We weren't good enough. And then he was asked, what about your goal, though? You took it well. And he went, I don't care. It doesn't matter, does it? We lost. What does it matter whether how I took the goal? We really have got to get it back together for the next game. And they really have it. So where at Everton. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is a result of the way that... <laughs> that Mourinho sets his teams up with a low block and just okay what can you do against us but the teams which have a, a very active pressing game it means they play as a team throughout the whole of the, the pitch when they're attacking defending or in transition everyone in the team has to be doing everything all the time and Spurs do look like a aside that okay we'll get the ball and we'll give it to Mora, Son and Kane and something will happen which isn't a team way of playing it might be a consequence of the Mourinho sort of low block attrition let's bore the other team to death way of playing the game that the team is disjointed but they certainly don't look like a team it's almost like an athletics sport instead of a football game a team game it's like relay you pass the baton on to midfield who then pass it on to the forwards and are no longer involved much like a relay team once you pass the button it's nothing to do with you and they're not getting involved as a team together uh, so we don't know what do you think the result for that one is Everton Tottenham I'm going to go for 2-1 to Tottenham just because we have to I'm, I'm tempted to say 2-2 draw but can both teams score two goals I don't know no I'll go for 2-2 draw alright then on Saturday we've got Premier League and FA Cup in the FA Cup it's a semi-final Chelsea against Man City I'm going to say 3-2 to Man City I'll go for 2-1 Chelsea and then in the Premier League the actual competition that matters uh, Newcastle Newcastle against West Ham, Jeff. Just had a victory, Newcastle. They are at home. They managed to draw at home with Tottenham, but I'm going to go for a West Ham win. Yeah, 2-1 West Ham. I mean, obviously, as a Tottenham fan, I'm hoping that Newcastle will continue their run of form. Wolves against Sheffield United. I think that's a, a, a victory for Wolves. Yeah, 2-0 Wolves. On Sunday, the other FA Cup semi-final, a little bit easier to predict than Chelsea-Man City, it's Leicester against Southampton. Oh, I don't know, actually. I mean, Leicester are not playing very well at the moment. Mind you, neither Southampton. Maybe, they're, maybe their players' minds were on the FA Cup this week. I think it's going to be very close. and One goal in it, either way. 
say uh, Leicester 2-1. Then in the Premier League, uh, Wanderers, Woolwich Wanderers against Fulham. Um, I just hope Fulham win that just because it is the Wanderers. Arsenal could actually give away a draw there. Yeah, there's, there's certainly nothing for Fulham to be afraid of in that Wanderers team. I mean, they're not a good team. Um, I'll go 1-1. And then Man United, Burnley. Will Burnley score? Let, let's say yes, Burnley will score, but it'll be Manchester United are at home, aren't they? Okay, so 2-1 to Manchester United. And then finally, it could be a good one, Leeds against Liverpool. They've, they've just beaten the uh, the future champions and then they're taking on the previous champions. That could be a high-scoring game. Well, it could. The first one was, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be anything from, from a 3-0 win for either side to a 3-3 draw. They're not Leeds are not consistent, so it's going to be a Liverpool win 3-1. All right, that's all we've got time for, apart from the answer to your trivia question. The last weekend, Stefan Payne of Green was sent off for headbutting Felipe Moraes. Why is this so notable? There are actually two reasons, and taken together, that it might make this unique. The first was that Stefan Payne and Felipe Moraes play for the same team, so Payne headbutted his teammate. <laughs> Always good. And second, the headbutt happened off the pitch. It was actually in the tunnel at half time. So, yes, the referee can still punish a player after the whistle has gone and even off the pitch, which most people don't know. So, taken together, that, that incident might be unique. This, this reminded me of an incident that happened when, when I was playing. Many people will know the actor Trevor Peacock, who was in uh, City of Dibley. He was the character who'd say do, 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 do. yes I, I played with with Trevor's son Daniel and in one match what would happen there we were under 14s what would happen is the, the league supply referee and each team supplies a linesman and this weekend it was the turn of Trevor to be linesman so everyone knew something was going to happen because things tended to happen around Trevor in this situation in this uh, this match the referee was so bad I mean he was terrible he wasn't biased against us he wasn't biased against the opposition he was biased against both teams and he just hated both teams. He was so bad that Trevor walked onto the pitch and booked. So the linesman walked onto the pitch and booked to the referee. Now, the referee got his revenge after the match when he came into our dressing room and he booked all of us. And then he took the names of all the supporters, i.e. our parents, and then reported us all and reported them to the Hertfordshire Football Association for hooliganism. So I got to, te- I got to tease my mum that she was a convicted football hooligan. That is a superb story. I love it. That's hilarious. Right, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back next week. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.